Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. I'm your host, Greg, and we are back to talk about two less than thrilling results, but very different results, I think. Also, uh, a game in Portugal, because we need something nice to talk about. Um, uh, Before we get started, I want to remind all of our listeners to check us out uh, on Twitter, at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. Check us out there, I guess, as long as Twitter hasn't burned to the ground. Uh, who knows when that'll happen, so that could be out of date by the time you hear this. Also, we might be a verified account in the coming days, who knows? Nah, I'm not, <laughs> I don't bother editing this podcast, I'm sure shit not going to pay anymore for it that I have to, so. Subscribe um, to our Patreon so that we can get an, a verified <laughs> uh, Twitter account. Exactly. Uh, also, don't forget to leave us uh, a five-star review on Spotify or iTunes or Mastodon or Co-host, or I don't, I don't know how those sites work, so. Um, yeah, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so, uh, on that note, uh, let me introduce my co-host, Brian Ashlock. Brian, how are you doing this week? A uh, little jet-lagged, uh, you know, a- as you mentioned, we were in Portugal, um, at a crypto convention, <laughs> um, and as you can see, we have done a great job of tanking the crypto market, um, so you're welcome, everybody, and, uh, yeah, so, just a little tired. Was that um, more skiing than your? Were you getting more offers to go skiing in uh, Portugal than you generally get in Miami? <laughs> so many more. You have to know a guy here, like you know, who has uh, access to some slopes. You mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there they're just handing out lift tickets left, right, and center. Despite the fact there's no slopes that in, 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 in that you can see at least. No, that's true, but um, you know it is very hilly in Lisbon, so you it know. is. It is. You can probably ski down some of those hills. Absolutely. Um, yes. No. We met up with our uh, compatriot, our fellow Spurs podcaster, Wendy from the Extra Inch, um, that little known uh, podcast. Uh, but we had a great time. Uh, we we hung out in Lisbon. We drank a lot. We ate some good food, and then we went to a sporting Lisbon match, which we will talk about in a little bit after we get through the main event, which is a. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur played Liverpool uh, and lost 2-1. And then today, in the Calabunga Cup, uh, Spurs played Nottingham Forest and lost 2-0. I think these are two games that have kind of, I think, on their own terms, I think they're very different games. And I think they kind of sum up a lot of the problems with Spurs this year in different ways. Uh, I want to start with Nottingham Forest. Uh, this was a garbage match. Uh, there are, I would say, no positives to it other than I think Oliver Skip's performance is the only real positive I can come up with. Maybe aside from the fact that um, Skip and Richarlison are healthy now, um, which I think is a positive. Um, but it was just a bad performance from start to finish from Spurs. It was a nearly full-strength team. Uh, Forrester felt like the only real rotation option, maybe Doherty, if you're being kind, uh, Skip obviously made it in, but 
that I feel like that's more of a health thing. But uh, it was uh, it was a really uninspired performance from Spurs that, you know, it wasn't good at first, but it really fell apart in the second half. Yeah, I mean, you know, and Conte talks after the match that these players are really tired. And, you know, this is the 12th or 13th match that they've had in a, a very short period of time. And it's just like, well, then rotate, my guy. Like, I get it. Like, he doesn't trust, you know, 70% of the squad or something like that. But, I mean, you take a look at what our opponents last weekend, Liverpool, did in their League Cup match. They basically put out all the bench players. Um, They rotated, I think, 11 guys. And I'm not saying that that was necessarily a feasible option for us because I I don't think we have – uh enough you know good players to do that but like why didn't we see heel and tanganga and um you know spence and sar and you know i i I just don't get it i i i understand that there's not as many guys that he trusts but if you don't care about this game then don't care about this game like don't like like, half-ass care about it well if you're gonna punt which I don't think he was trying to do. I actually don't think Conte was trying to punt, but it's like, at least there's some value in that. Like, play the guys who need minutes. Like, get get a Basuma out there, get a Skip out there, get a Doherty out there. Um, if you're not going to play Spence, um, you know, I mean, I, again, I'd rather see Spence in a game like this, but, you know, you can't say Doherty doesn't need minutes. Um, it's just, you know, and I think everyone would have understood that. It's not a great look, but, like, you know, Fixture congestion has been an issue this year. He talked after the match. Uh, Harry Kane came off in the, in the 60th minute, and he talked about how fatigued Harry Kane was. And it's like, sure, like these guys are fried. These guys look fried mentally, certainly the last couple of weeks. I don't know if that's because the World Cup's coming up or Conte's run them ragged or they're getting bored of practicing the patterns or what, but clearly something's not right here. And if you just need to, like, punt this match to give some guys a rest, and I understand that's, like, easier said than done because – yeah, we'll talk about how Conte doesn't trust anyone. But, like, you know, Richarlson's not probably wasn't 90 minutes fit. Um, probably wasn't, you know, 60 minutes fit. Uh, same with Kulishevsky. You're probably trying to protect these guys a little bit. But, like you said, put in Brian Heal. Put in, I mean, I guess Lucas Moore is hurt right now. But, you know, put in some of these guys who either you don't really care about or need to rehab or just need minutes because they're not playing at all. But instead, we got this, like, kind of full-strength lineup, which didn't look great. And, you know, I mean, we didn't respond well. You know, I mean, you could argue that Basuma got really fouled in the in the, in the the build-up to the first goal. But, I don't know, this team doesn't respond well to adversity. There's not, there's not a lot of, other than, like I said, Skip looked healthy. I am struggling to pull a positive out of this. Yeah. I think the only thing that I pull, uh, you know, push back against, you know, in the broad strokes there is, like, how we respond to adversity. I think... You're right. In this game, we didn't respond well to adversity, but I think, you know, yeah, that's, that's fair. I'm I'm getting a little carried away there. That's, sure, that's fair. But 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 you're not wrong about everything else you said. Um, I think to me, I think uh, the the Basuma getting fouled in the build up to that first goal. While that's not like a game decider, or that's not the difference between us winning and losing, I'm amazed that that didn't get looked at by VAR. I'm that, not. You like how many games? I mean. I know that we have gotten very lucky in terms of set pieces and penalties this year, but it feels like we're getting screwed with our pants on every week. And I know that this is probably something every team is saying. 
But this, I think referees are allowing, There's a, I think there's a real obsession from the FA with how much time the ball was out of play last year. And they're really obsessed with not calling ticky-tack fouls. Now, simultaneously, they're letting teams like Newcastle, like, time waste enough that they're, like, only playing two-thirds of a 90-minute match, essentially. But I do think they're really trying to let games ride this year. And there's a level at which I don't think Spurs are responding well to that. I think we keep expecting games to get refereed in a way that they're just not. And it sucks, but, you know, you got to figure out how to adjust to it. Yeah. No, you're right. And I mean, this is not like an aberration in terms of what we've seen from the officiating all season. So, and again, I'm not trying to say that that's the reason why we lost or whatever. The reason why we lost plain and simple is just, we just weren't, we didn't show up, Um, you know, and I mean, we've talked about at various points in the season, whether, you know, like how much desire and how much like body language reading we could do and see what was happening with these guys. And you didn't take an expert to see that, like, even though we had most of the ball, even though we had, you know, a handful of decent chances, we just weren't the races. Like we just, we, uh, we just were really, really poor. And it's frustrating, especially coming off the back of the Liverpool match where, you know, we lost, but we actually looked pretty good. Um, yeah, I, it, it's just, it's hard to swallow. Well, it's an interesting contrast, and I think we should, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about it in detail, but I think those are, I've talked about on this podcast in previous years, I am able to swallow a result like Liverpool, which is very frustrating, partly because it always fucking happens like this. But, like, you look at that Liverpool match, and we played largely well, and I would say on both goals, but particularly the second Liverpool goal, it wasn't that they're cutting us open and dissecting our team. It's shit just fell their way and they handled it. You know what I mean? Like Salah, I think, is declining a little bit, but he's still able to score amazing goals. And I think it's well, especially if you're going to gift it to him. You know, yeah, and it was just like. You know, it was, again, it was like it took everything going wrong on that. And it's like, I mean, Eric Dyer, you could, we could talk about whether Eric Dyer being in that defense is like, is a systemic problem with our defense that they exploited. But my point is, like, that's a game where we played well and just like some dumb shit happened on one or two occasions. And, you know, it just didn't go our way. And frankly, we were unlucky to score other goals. Like, that is the kind of match where it's like, Especially when we haven't been playing well, you can sort of live with it on a certain level. As frustrating as it is, as irritating as it is, you can just live with it on a certain level. And it is not like this match where it was like it, it systemically fell apart, like we didn't hold up, like there was mental weakness. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's a real contrast in matches to me where it's like one was, a, was an example where sometimes the ball just doesn't go your way. Like, you know, you just don't get lucky. Like, they get a good bounce. You, you know, have one or two goals that should have been in and got saved. And it's just, you know, someday, sometimes it's just not your day even when you play well. Like, but this is just an example of us failing to execute. And we've had a few matches like this this year. And I think, you know, if Ben were here, if Ryan were here, I think one thing that they would say is that – you know, when you play the way we've played this year, you're leaving yourself open to, like, 
this kind of a disaster. Now, both of these disasters, honestly, you're leaving yourself open to like some dumb shit happens and you can't claw your way out of it. And you're leaving yourself open to like 10 or 12 minutes of disaster spells the end of your team. Cause you know, I think like does what happened against forest happen if we're just offering a more coherent threat going forward. And I think we should be honest that part of that is the fact that two of our forwards are out. Um, or at least aren't 90 minutes fit or even 60 minutes fit. But, you know, even when those guys haven't fit this year, we're just not offering a sort of a consistent, coherent threat. And I do think there's something to be said about Kulishevsky's going to come back and fix some of that. But it's just, you know, you're playing, you're living dangerously when you, when you sort of live off of scoring on fine margins like we are this year. I mean, Nottingham Forest are a bad team. Yeah. And even if, we rotate or, you know, we don't really like seem interested in the match. Like this is a game that we should have been much better in. And and I understand what you're saying about, you know, like this is a product of the way we play and, and, and all that, but it's just, it's frustrating because we have seen the way we play quote unquote work and and I, I I feel like we're beating a dead horse. We, it seems like we talk about this every week, at least for the last couple of months, is, you know, why doesn't this work? It worked so well last year. And and if the answer is simply, hey, Kulisevsky isn't playing or isn't playing for a full 90 minutes, then that's a squad-building problem, and I can only hope that we address it in the next month that we have off. Like... I'm getting really tired of watching this team play and being like, can somebody please make a pass? Um, you know, today, for example, we had two shots on goal. And both of them, I think, came from our wingbacks. Like, Plus, Spence has uh, the one. Off, uh, offsides header from Richarlson. Sure. So it's just like, that can't be both our method of ball progression and also the, the people that get shots in this system. And, you know, look, I, I get that Harry Kane's tired. I get that son is injured. I get that Kulisevsky isn't 90 minutes fit, that, that Richarlison isn't 90 minutes fit, but I mean, we just had nothing out there today. No ideas. Um, you know, the, the Perisic Kane, uh, strike partnership or whatever you want to call it that that had looked actually pretty good against Liverpool and you thought was maybe a, a halfway decent option just offered us nothing today I, I I just it's frustrating to watch because the problems are very apparent and it seems like we have options or ways that we can do things differently available to us in in terms of with the subs or, or the players that we could have started, and, and we're just not doing them. Oh, and... it's, it's so irritating because, like you said, I mean, we've talked about this over and over and over again, and I think it's one of the rough things for all Spurs podcasters this year is you just keep hearing the same conversations every week. But, you know, it's like, what's wrong with Spurs? It's like they don't have enough passers out there, especially with Kulishevsky out. They don't have, you know, like, Son isn't sharp. Um, are they waiting for the World Cup? Is it the fact that Romero's out? Is it the fact that other teams have sussed us out a little bit? None of those by themselves feels like enough to explain what's happening to me. Like, none of those on their own. But I think you put enough of them together. I mean, I would say, 
what, the week of the United game is when our form really started to, like, kind of dip and fall off a cliff a little bit, uh, as opposed to, like, these sort of professional grinded-out things. I would say probably injuries tip the scale at some point um, in there. Uh, you know, Romero just fully being out, and then Richarlson not being an option, and not that he was the most contri- contributing player before that, but it's just... They're all combining, and it just feels like no one's focused, no one's fresh. It, it doesn't feel like, I don't know, it doesn't feel like when Chelsea and all these other teams got tired of Conte, it feels different than that. It just feels like what Conte's trying to do isn't working. Yeah, which is incredibly strange because it literally worked and won him a league title like two years ago. Like, this isn't this isn't Jose Mourinho, whose shtick just didn't work anymore. It worked last year. Like, we saw it work. And, I mean, you could argue it worked for, like, two months. But it was, like, I would say on balance, we were pretty good under – there was, like, kind of a rough spell early. I mean, I think the entirety of the the beginning of the 2022 calendar year, we were, like, had the most points of anybody. So, uh, you know, I'm not – I don't know. I I just – one thing that I would uh, just – that concerns me anyway is – the idea that we are going to come back from the international break and be more well-rested or more fit. Um, I mean, Harry Kane is not going to be more well-rested. Uh, Hungman's son is maybe going to be more well-rested just because by virtue of the injury and then also by virtue of South Korea are going to go out in the first round. But like, you know, Romero, uh, Hoybjerg, Bentoncourt, um, well, maybe not Benzincor. That could. That's maybe. I don't know how good Uruguay. Yeah, is I'm not. Now. I'm not sure. But yeah, a lot of these players are going to have deep World Cups or could have deep World Cups. And it's. It's. I mean, and those are key players. Like you know, the 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 health of the Hoybjerg Bentoncor midfield is like that's important. Like even if Basuma and Skip are starting to play well, like those two guys are still our two most consistent players in midfield. Harry Kane is like the guy. Um, and has been, you know, our main attacking threat. Uh, Romero, we've already seen what we're like when we don't have Romero. Uh, Loris, I mean, based on Forrester's performance today, if even the, even as many criticisms as we have of Loris, I don't want Forrester starting matches. I, I didn't think Forrester was that bad. I mean, considering I think I thought he got hung out to dry a lot. He just he is just not quick is the problem, and I think in the modern game and especially the way we play like you need to be a little more agile than he is and i mean he's big and he's good at claiming crosses and that's great but he he's just not the most nimble fella no you're right i mean obviously it's not ideal but i mean there's going to be a lot like look we're going to have like skip's going to be nice and well rested basuma's going to be nice and well rested i think that's actually um, I spoke a little too soon. One of the other positives, I think, of both games is I think Basuma looks like he's starting to get it. Um, I thought even today, early on, before things kind of fell off a cliff, and I think you saw it against Liverpool, you're starting to see that like drive forward that I thought, you know, we were going to get with him. Like he's he's starting to move the ball forward, and it's like, you know, I feel like if you were playing with any other manager, use a slightly more creative midfield, it would be a real positive. Um, but you know, it's like. We're going to come back from the World Cup. I mean, who knows? Because, like, you know, who knows who's going to come back injured, who's going to come back tired, who's just going to come back focused. You know, it could be, like, Harry Kane has a great World Cup, needs, like, a week or two off, and he's just going to be ready to start kicking ass. Or he could be completely fried. I do think 
not, I, I, I feel like for Spurs, the mental focus isn't there. And I don't know if it's they're just sick of Conte. I don't know if it's they're all looking at the World Cup. I feel like we have two or three players who kind of like have that. It feels to me like, I mean, this is just like body language expert bullshit. So please don't take it as, you know, something I truly strongly believe in. It just, I don't know. Because like Arsenal isn't dealing with this. They're like, you know, City isn't dealing with this. There's other teams that are just like their players are playing well largely and ours aren't and there's just not an easy explanation available to us for why that's happening because none of them by themselves feels adequate yeah i i don't know it's it's just frustrating um and we've got one more game left we've got brentford this weekend before the break or is it brentford i'm sorry is maybe it's leeds Leeds, it's Leeds. It's Leeds, and then Brentford is our first game back. Um, And I don't know. I mean, mean, Leeds could could do things like give up three and score four. Yeah, and Leeds will press the shit out of us, and as we know, that's usually a recipe for success against Spurs. Um, I I, I do agree with you um, that Basuma has been much better lately. I've liked... Uh, the sort of press resistance that he has shown and the ability to uh, break the lines kind of by dribbling. Um, I I think that was certainly something that we've missed and and something that he wasn't showing us early on uh, in, in this season. And so him and also the, the performance of skip who I just continue to be impressed by how, like well-rounded he is by how athletic he seems still i I, guess, I don't remember him being this fast it, yeah which I, isn't I to say he wasn't i don't remember it though yeah i don't know if it's a product of he's playing in a different way or if he did some you know extra work on his explosivity while he was rehabbing or what the deal is but he is he is much quicker he is um you know his, his he has much more attacking verve than he did under Mourinho. I really like him playing in this midfield three alongside either Hoiberg or Bentancur. I think he would be really good also paired with someone who is even more attacking or if they're like more conservative, like a good passer. Like, I don't know. I I think it would have been interesting today if we had played a midfield that was Basuma, Skip, and Saar. And I get it. I, 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 Sar is clearly not ready in, in the eyes of Conte. I'm not even saying he's Premier League quality, but like, throw him out there. Like, you know, like, I, 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 I this guy is, he's still, I, I think he just turned 20. Uh, and he was, you know, basically a star in Ligue 1, uh, for two years. And he just can't even see the pitch for Spurs. Like he's definitely better Which is than fine, some of these. But if 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 Conte doesn't think he's ready to play for Spurs, like why isn't he in Serie A right now? Exactly. Like in the same, it's it goes the same with Brian Heal and Jeff at Tanganga. Like why he at least gets some minutes. Like like he's at least out there occasionally. But you're right about everyone else. But it's just like why do we hold on to these guys if they're not going to play? That's my problem. Like, so there's been a lot of like people talking about like all oh, the depth Spurs got over the summer. Now I would argue they had plenty. Of we, I, well, I anyway were definitely guilty of saying that. Over yeah, no, no, I agree. But like, I think we had plenty of forward depth. I think Spurs have just been extraordinarily unlucky there. I think having four 
starting quality forwards is more than enough. And if three of them get hurt, then like sometimes shit just happens. Like, you know, and I, I can't speak to how we manage injuries or whatever, but sometimes shit just happens. But the problem I have with a lot of our signings, and I think, again, like, if Basuma is starting to come good, I think the summer looks a little better. But, like, if he's just not going to use these guys, like, I mean, he and Paratici need to get on the same page. Because, like, now, I don't know, maybe, like, he looks at film of Spence and is like, okay, yeah, I can work with this. And then Spence gets there and he's, like, picking his nose and drooling on the training ground. I don't think that's what's happening. But my point is, if we're going to buy guys, Conte needs to, like, sit in a room with Paratici and Levy and be like, yes, I can use him. No, I will not. Don't waste your money. Like, you know, because if we're going to buy these guys, he's the buy guys. If we're going to buy him, if if we're going to get a Malinovsky, for instance, like Conte better be ready to sell. Like he needs to have a conversation with Paratici. How do you see, you know, big tone? How do you see yourself using this guy? You know, and if, and if he says to him, like, how do I see myself using him? An emergency starter. I see him coming on like the 60th minute a lot of the time. Maybe, like, you know, if I really think we could use that passing, I'll start him in a few matches. But, you know, if that, like, they need to have that conversation. Because otherwise, if it's just like, I think I got, you know, hey, Tony, do you want a guy who can pass? Eh, sure, I'll see what you can, what I can do with him. You know, there's too many guys. It's not like there's just, like, one guy. It's not like it's just Spence, who Conte's yeah. clearly unimpressed with. There's too many guys that he just won't play. And I think, you know, the one thing that I will say in defense of Conte and on the Spence issue is – Watching him today, I didn't see him complete a lot of passes. Or he didn't even... look good today, but it's also the first minutes he's played all season. Right. I mean, he's gotten like he got like what a, a three minute cameo in uh, in the I think in the Nottingham Forest yeah. league match. It was like a victory cigar. Yeah. So I mean, like, it, I don't know. Maybe maybe it is like Basuma in that you need minutes on the pitch in order to grasp the patterns. Like it can't just be an all training situation. But um, he he didn't look. Like he got he had a nice shot and and that's that's good for him. But he he didn't look like he knew what to do when he was on the ball and that's and that's concerning. Um, but I, I, I mean, and for being fair to Spence, in addition to the fact he hadn't played much this year, like. That was not a good time to come on in the match. Like we were in a deep right. hole, we were panicking. Like, right? I, I don't blame Spence. And it, no, I, I don't either. I'm not trying to. I'm not really trying to bag on him. I mean, I think that definitely he should have started and gone like the first 45 or 50 or 60 minutes, and then you roll out Doherty or whoever you want to to get some more minutes. I think. You know, uh, we should know Doherty did have a really good shot. He did that thing where he, he pops up in the box, like. I don't know how Doherty's shot didn't go in, honestly. But it's just, it's frustrating because I think, I think Spurs in a lot of ways are very lucky for the, the World Cup's happening the way it's happening this year because I think it's not working. One, I don't know why. Like, I think there's a lot of reasons, but it's not working. And they get a month and a half to reset or a month to reset. And I don't think, you know, it's a month and a half. They get a month and a half. And I don't think it's going to be easy because like you said, a lot of our players are going to come back injured or gassed or fried from the World Cup. But, like, Conte's got a month and change to sit down there and, like, like figure some shit out. Now, I understand he'll have a limited amount of time to, like, work that into players. Like, he's going to be able to, you know, like, I'm sure he's going to have some time with, like, Skip and Basuma and a couple others and, you know, whoever sort of comes back from the World Cup. But he's got some time to figure out, A, what he wants in the transfer window, 
and B, like, how can we play a little differently? Because this shit ain't working. I mean... Yeah. I mean, you know, in a normal season, like, this time of year is really compressed anyway. So, th- th- I mean, you know, Conte talking about, you know, 13 games over however many weeks or whatever, like, yes, this is somewhat out of the ordinary, but, like... November, December, January is always like a weirdly compressed, like the Champions League is wrapping up. You've got the domestic cup starting up. You're trying to squeeze in a bunch of Premier League fixtures. Like this is always a weird time. And in normal seasons, I mean, this would feel like a run where we just lose or or go like winless for like six or seven games. And we're still in a decent position. Like we're still like, if we could figure this out, if we can somehow scratch a win out this weekend and figure this out over the break, we're not in the worst position in the world. We can really salvage this season. It's just, it's frustrating to watch. It's the same thing every week. You keep, you have a game. And again, I think this shows how on some level we're all just grasping at straws. You have a game like the Liverpool game where we played really well. And there's like, you have some optimism. You know what? Liverpool are still Liverpool. They still got Mo Salah. That was a much healthier Liverpool than we have seen in ages. Like, so, you you know, Spurs still have a lot of injuries. They're, they they kind of drew a lucky card on that. You would have thought, you know what, we'll come out of that game and we'll, we, we figured out some, you know, we'll start to put some form together. And, you know, then we play the worst team in the Premier League who's rotating players with a mostly first-choice squad, and we just lay a fat egg. And it's just like every game, we've seen people in our writer's room say this, but every game it's like – like, this is going to be the game. We're going to start playing better. Like, you know, I don't expect this to look like 19... 19- and I, I and I find it frustrating because I think there are some Spurs fans where if it doesn't look like 2011 Barcelona, they're like, what the fuck are we doing? What is this bullshit? But it's like, this is this is not that. This has gone on... Like, there is... I, I don't love the booing at the stadium. And I, frankly, for once, I think booing at halftime against Liverpool was, like, a little unjustified. But it's like... I understand why Spurs fans are so angry. Like, I hate the miserable attitude on Twitter and everything, but, like, I understand where it's coming from. We don't look good right now. Yeah, and, I mean, you and I were talking about this before the show is, you know, it's frustrating to get on here and do the same podcast every week. And I'm sure that the, you know, dozen people that listen to this are uh, are very annoyed that we keep doing the same podcast every week, but it's just, but I'm sure they're just as annoyed to watch the same performances every week. Yeah. So, you know, and, and so it's a very frustrating time to be a Spurs fan. Um, and I'm honestly kind of looking forward to the world cup break so I can be frustrated about like us men's national team. Performances yeah, but I expect instead. to be frustrated about them. So. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to it. Cause it's like, God, at least like if there's any chance of like, Pulling, I mean, not any, because we've seen teams do that before, but, like, I think it's going to, like, you know, we have a chance to sort of pull out of this spiral and really, you know, Conte's got a, ch- got a month or whatever to, like, really take a hard look in the mirror and figure some stuff out. And, I mean, the thing we have to keep in perspective is half of the season isn't even gone yet. Like, we're taking the break. It'll be 15 games have been played. And so we've got, I'm not good at math, 23 more games to play this year. Um, you know, we're, we're, there's a lot of season left. There's we're we're still in the knockout rounds of the Champions League. We drew AC Milan. We haven't really talked about that, but that seems like a pretty good draw for us. Um, you know, that game is going to be so bad. Those games are going to be so bad. 
Just yeah, it's gonna be like that Simpsons with the team kicking the ball and <laughs> exactly. holding it. It's gonna be, but you know, it gives us a good chance to advance, um, and so that'll be fun. Um, but you know, there's so much season left, and like you said, if somebody comes back from the World Cup in good form, if if just rest helps, if uh, if we somehow by the grace of God, make a signing or something like there's still so much room for this to get better. And, and despite everything we've seen for the last, I don't know, three or four months, I still have faith that this can get better. Um, And I think that's what makes us, you know, Spurs fans is you always hold on to that little bit of optimism. Um, But I don't know. I, I just, uh, I'm interested to see what teams do during this break, meaning I'm interested to see, um, you know, what the training is like for these guys in terms of like, are they going to be like behind door closed doors friendlies? Are they going to be just like half assing training for a month? Do they get two weeks off? Like what's the deal? Yeah. Is cool. Chef's going to be on a beach somewhere. Is he yeah. going to be, you know, and, and I'm also interested to see what it means. Like you were talking about from the business side of it, like, are we signing people? Are we, uh, you know, are we going to get to January one and most teams are going to have had their business locked up or are we still going to wind up where this like drags on through January and signings trickle in if they happen at all? I I just, I'm, I, I still have no concept of what this is going to look like, but maybe I think it'll be really interesting. So how do you feel about, I mean, I think it's interesting that we got Milan in the Champions League. Um, it's always nice to go back to the San Siro. It's there is something I don't know. I've gotten over my like I'm excited to play big teams in the Champions League, but there is something nice about playing a big team in the Champions League, especially when it's a big team that is beatable. Like you know, I, I think Milan are good and well coached, but I think that's the team we can beat. Like, especially if we get our act together. And frankly, we got like three months to figure that one out. So, yeah, I, I agree that, you know, it, it's it's a it's a big team and it's a team that we can definitely beat. And, you know, I don't know. I don't remember who else we could have drawn that would have been like easier, maybe like Porto or. I don't know. Wasn't Bruges or someone in that group? Leipzig, I think, was. I thought I thought Club Bruges won their group, but they yeah, did. The, they did. You're right. But you know, whatever. If they didn't, then Bruges would have been obviously a good choice. But like, you know, I, I think it's good for us that like PSG and Bayern are playing each other. Uh, Liverpool, Real Madrid are playing each other. Um, you know, I, I think that bodes well for us if we are to advance. I think this is a great matchup for us. I think. Milan aren't very good this year. I think we can beat them, uh, despite how we've been playing. Um, and I, I'm excited. Like you have to, you have to try to look at some of the positives from this season, right? Like, and so like one of the positives is, hey, we somehow managed to win our Champions League group. There was a period where I would say right before the United game, where it felt like Spurs were a good team that just was struggling to get out of first gear. And then it seemed like it was this mixture of injuries and I don't even know what. 
Um, Malays, maybe? Malays, I mean, I certainly think teams are playing as better this year than they were playing as last year. But, like, I don't know. Maybe United figured something out that we just had trouble dealing with. I do feel like since our forward line has been messed up, we've been having trouble sort of adjusting. Like, when Richarlson went down and Kulishevsky, I... I mean, I, I, I'm not looking at a stat sheet right now, but if I, you know, just off the top of my head, I would say that's when things started to get really ugly um, for us. But, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, they got to – like, I think there's something there. We all saw it last year. And I think, you know, you get Kulishevsky and Romero back, which after World Cup is hardly a given, but you get them back in the team, and I think like, they've barely played together this year. And But what if we got in – Pedro Porro and Marcus Edwards, the, the 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 Portuguese legends that we saw yes. this past weekend in uh, yes. in in Lisboa. Um, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. So while we were uh, in Lisbon, we went uh, with Windy to see Sporting Lisbon play uh, Victoria. I don't know someone the team that signed Marcus Edwards from us a few years ago. It was a fun match, if only because uh, sporting was able to just beat the brakes off of them. And they went down to Vittoria went down to 10 men in about the 30th minute or so. Um, I, I think the two standout players in this match were Edwards and um, Poro. And I thought it was really telling. It was really sort of refreshing to watch as a neutral was when sporting went up a man, he made an immediate substitution. He put Edwards on to take advantage of the fact you put another creative player on to really take advantage of like, you know, the fact that they're playing against 10 men. And, you know, I know, I mean, I could use this opportunity to play about how Conte's tactics are too rigid and he doesn't make adjustments enough. But like, honestly, I can't remember the last time I've seen a, maybe, maybe you correct me. Cause I, I'm not sure I watch enough. I can't remember the last time I saw a premier league manager go for the jugular like that. Um, make that aggressive a change as opposed to a reactive change. Like when a man, when they go a man up, it was really good to watch. Pedro Poro, I thought was really impressive. He's a, he's a right wing back for um, sporting. I thought he was pretty impressive in, in their games against us. And I haven't sort of gone back to watch them after I saw him in person, but like he was very impressive in this game. I thought, even though, I think the caveat has to be uh, I don't know how he is defending because he didn't have to do that at all in this match before they went down, uh, to t- before they went up a man. He certainly didn't have to do it after. Uh, but I was very impressed, and I, I, I am all about starting an agenda to bring him to Spurs because, frankly, I'm willing to try anything at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, he doesn't have to do a lot of defending in Conte's system. Uh, you know, it, it's not like uh, Matt Doherty does a lot of defending. So um, I, I I really like Pedro Poro. He takes their set pieces, um, or at least the corners and some of the free kicks. He's um, he he seemed fine in some of the one on ones that he was involved in, but like just generally, he just looked really good when he got on the ball. Um, and you know, uh, unlike you, I think my favorite thing about the match was seeing the the sporting manager Ruben Emerim. Uh, he needs a better tailor, like. I mean, look, he's on the sidelines in, like, jeans and a Nike sweatshirt. I'm not a big fan okay, of it. Okay, let me put it this way. If he's going to do that, he needs to wear, like, a size lower in his Nike sweatshirt because it's like he's swimming in that thing. Yeah, and he really should have borrowed my Nike hat, too, because that would have really completed his oh. outfit, honestly. Oh, Brian. Um, uh, that's a whole other – that'll be on the Patreon. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, 
No, I, I like that Amory made that change to bring on Edwards because literally the foul happens, the referee like goes to his pocket, and then you see Edwards go down the sideline to start warming up. In his enormous like, pants. Yeah, like that was how quick it was. And, and we were all kind of sitting there in the crowd thinking like, well, he's not going to put him on now, is he? Like that would be crazy. Because we all agreed that, like, I I can't remember a time a manager has done that. And, you know, Wendy, who is, uh, you know, uh, at least certainly more well-versed in Spurs than, than we are, but he couldn't remember a time that that had happened either. And I, I just thought that was uh, – more teams should do that. Like Especially get... if it was like a bat – like, I'll bet they could have just left that lineup in at least till halftime and still beaten their brains in. Yeah, absolutely. And cool. they probably would have been fine. And if it was Spurs, like, for example, against Nottingham Forest, um, we just would have persisted with what was ever on the field. And then in the 85th minute, we would have tried to change something. Or at least at halftime. Like, I could see, like, I've seen teams do it at, like, oh, we're a man up. We come out at halftime. You know, that's what we're going to do. But, yeah, man, it was it was fun. Um, what do you think? So, what do you, so, Poro is, like, 5'9". Yeah. Um, he's a big, I mean, he's, like, I mean, he's packing some muscle. Yeah, he's, he's pretty broad. I mean, he's got extremely, like, anime cartoonish shoulders. Um, he play. I feel like he plays bigger than this position. I'm not worried about him physically. But, like, I, I heard Nathan on the Extra Inch this week. He was talking about how he's cooled on him because he's not worried. He's worried about how he would defend. And, I mean, if you were asking me what is your concern coming out of that match, I would say defending just because purely I, haven't, I didn't see him have to do it. Yeah, I and I think that's probably a valid concern. I imagine he probably doesn't have to do much defending in Portugal, um, and e- even though Sporting aren't having a very good season. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember like what I thought of him during the the Champions League matches that we played against him, and I, I remember him seen... being really impressive going forward. I don't remember us skinning him alive, but I, I can't say for certain that we were. <laughs> yeah, and so like I think I think where I land is if he is not uh if he's not a negative on the defense like if he's just like eh, he's fine, but he's a plus plus guy going forward, like that's worth us having. Like and you know, I guess you could make the argument that Spence is also sort of that, but I would say based on having watched Poro, Spence isn't on that level in terms of attacking, uh, and also uh, Poro's doing it against a higher level of competition, um, and, and is do, has done it consistently. Like this is his second season. At Poro's also like, just like I mean, he's a more seasoned player. He's a little older. He's played in top flight longer. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting a little enamored of the shiny toy that I saw that I've seen between the Champions League and just being in Portugal. Like, I'm a little enamored of him. I mean, you know, if there's a negative to him besides like the fact that I don't know how he defend, it's that he has teeth that would make Jurgen Klopp embarrassed. I mean, that that is he's he's got a very punchable face. Like, if we're all being honest with ourselves, but I don't know. Like, I would not be unhappy. I mean, again, I don't want I wouldn't break the bank for him. Part of why I want him is I feel like he could be had for a relatively modest transfer fee, and maybe I'm incorrect on that. Apparently, City has a buyback clause on him. He was in City's academy at one point, or squad, whatever. But, I mean, like, would they even want him? I mean, I I could see them doing it just to fuck with us. Sure. You know, does City even care about us at this point? I don't know. 
Um, I mean, it's not like they need money. You I know? mean, there's a point at which, like, whatever that transfer fee looks like. If, like, if he costs significantly more than Spence, then it's like, we should probably look somewhere else. Because I, I mean, unless they're just sold on him and believe in him, like, you know, it doesn't feel like, it feels like the kind of transfer that's like, he's got a lot of upside and I don't think he would cost all that much. So um, maybe I'm incorrect about both of those things. But I was very, very impressed for one night um, in, in, uh, in Portugal, at least. Uh, the other guy worth mentioning was Marcus Edwards, who has since that match been linked, at least in the Portuguese papers, with Spurs again. Uh, I have no idea how reliable that information is. I mean, the only thing we know is if Spurs decided they wanted him, they would have an advantage over other teams because they wouldn't have to pay us half, you know, half his transfer fee wouldn't have to go to anywhere but us. So, um, I don't know. I was impressed with Edwards. I thought he was really good. Uh, that man is tiny. Um, generally I think concerns about size are overblown. Um, you know, I'd probably have to watch how he played in the champions league. He's not big. I mean, he's really not very big. I thought he played really well in that game. I thought he did a really good job getting passes off and creative decisions. Um, I think he also just had like a ton of space by virtue of yes. like they were up a man and it's poor. So yeah. So, you know, Eh, but like uh, again that's one of those things where it's like i would have to trust spurs scouting department where it's like what does he do things that would translate to england because i liked a lot of his decision making but like you said like he had tons of space against a team that i don't think you know i mean that was a really bad team he was playing who, who weirdly going into the game was ahead of sporting in the league yes well i would it does not seem like sporting have been prioritizing the league this year but also, yeah. um, I mean, they looked real bad. I mean, I know they were down a man for like sixty minutes, but or whatever it was. But man, I mean, they didn't look good. I mean, so Edwards looked like a star in that game. I was real impressed. It's just, I think the thing with Edwards is, it's it's harder to swallow him as a signing for me because like he was already here. And well, I think so, it's a good story. I mean, uh, yeah, sure, but I just think it's like it's a more interesting story if you loan him to Portugal for a couple of years and he comes back and is a stud, and then to be like, "Nah, you're not good enough, kid," and then to spend a bunch of money to buy him back. The Pogba, yeah, is I. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't mind, especially it. because like. I don't know that he's, like, a verifiable, like, star, like, not even star. I don't know that he's even, like, top six Champions yeah. League level regular starter. That's what gives me pause. And if you bring him back, you better be sure of two things. You, you That guy can hack it on a top six team in England where the physicality is different and Conte is going to actually play him, whether that's as a sub or a starter or whatever. I mean, he, you better, but you better be sure of both of those things if you're going to bring him to Spurs. I do think that he can certainly hack it in the Premier League. I'm not saying that you know his size automatically excludes him from success in the Premier League. I think he can certainly play in the Premier League. I think he can probably play for a decent mid-table team in the Premier League. I think he can probably play a role off the bench for Spurs. But by the same token, if you have to spend twenty or thirty million pounds on him. Is that the best use of your funds for a, a you know a, a rotation player? You know, if if you believe in him and he costs twenty million, I think that's fine. I think that is a perfectly acceptable purchase. The problem he's for homegrown, me is, I guess. Yeah, I've watched th- 
three matches of him. I found him really impressive. But I've watched three matches of him this year. And frankly, I don't know. Like, I mean, other than a guy who's like just a supernova in a league like that, I don't know how to look at a player in Portugal and be like, and necessarily know it's going to translate. Like, that, that is my big concern about anyone who comes from a league like that, especially someone who's not like 19. I mean, I know Marcus Edwards is pretty young, but, you know, it's like one thing to like, you know, if there's a guy like, you know, Joao Felix a couple of years ago was just clowning people at Benfica. Like, you know, there, there's a certain level of like, you don't know if he's a guaranteed star, but like, yeah, okay, this guy should probably be in a league that's better than this. But man, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to tell. It's hard, It's really hard to tell. And I mean, Bruno yeah. Fernandez was a guy that I didn't believe in. And like, you know, he's certainly done well enough at United. Um, even if he's not thriving this year, I don't know. It's um, there's a lot of feel good elements to it that I would like. You know, I don't know. Like, I wonder if there's an element of Marcus Edwards. It's like, I don't want to go back there. I mean, Pochettino's yeah, gone, so any beef you might have had with him might be over with. But I, I do think that's an unknown. Is like, how much does he have a chip on his shoulder about like I didn't make it there, and like good for them that they want me, but fuck them. You know, like, if you'd have believed in me, you should have kept me around. I, mean, I don't know, maybe he doesn't think like that, and maybe money talks when you get to the negotiating table and are offering him a contract. I don't know. But maybe it doesn't. I, I just, you know, he's going to be 24 this this December. And wow, it's older than I thought. Yeah, because I, I, you said he was young, and I was like, I feel like he's no, like... I thought he was two years younger than that, so never mind. So, so he's 23 right now. He's going to be 24 in December. Uh, again, that is still reasonably young. That's not necessarily excluding him. But, like, I don't know. I feel like, like you said, there are guys that are 20, 21 that are going supernova in, you know, leagues like the Netherlands, Portugal, Belgium, uh, that you could get um, instead of him. And I don't know. I'd be real happy if he came back. I'd be, I'd be interested to see him in the the sort of Kulisevsky role on the right-hand side, I think that would be fine, and I think it would be fun. But I think maybe we could do better. Well, I think the reason you get him is kind of like what we were t- a little version of what we were talking about Pedro Porro, which is he could possibly be an impact player, and he would be relatively cheap. You know, I think he's got like a 50 million euro release clause. My guess is we would pay less than that if we didn't own 50% of his sell-on rights. So in theory, this guy is cheap. He is creative. Again, I think there's enough sort of problems here that it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, it would be a great story. It would make me happy. But also, by the same token, having been in Lisbon for the last weekend, why would you want to leave there and go to London? Oh, my God. What a great city. What a great city. What do you think of the sporting match in general? Uh, Look, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I... I would recommend going to a game against a better team just for a little bit fuller stadium. I think, what, the stadium was, what, like 60% full probably? Uh, I'd say 75 or so, but yeah. It's hard to tell. Apparently they're feuding with like a supporters group, and they're, they they really fenced off a big portion of the stand for uh, the away fans, which they only used like, probably 40% of. Yeah. So there were two big empty sections, and it just wasn't as full as it could be. It was still an impressive atmosphere, I thought. Um, oh yeah, it was great, and um, I know this will surprise a lot of our listeners, but neither Greg or I speak any Portuguese. Um, we got 
what we got down thank you by the end and that was basically it i got yelled at by several old portuguese men um when i stood up for a chance at the other end of the pitch so that was that was a hoot I got told by an employee at the club store that my Portuguese was very good, and all I said to him was yes and thank you. Yeah, I think he might have been uh, buttering you up. So. Yeah, oh, he 100% was, but I'd already bought my stupid hat, so he wasn't going to get anything else out of me. Um, but no, I think it was a great experience. I, uh, you know, I love going to uh, matches just in other cities. Like, I, I think that's just a lot of fun, even if you have no investment in the club. Um, you know, uh, it, and now it's just something like you can watch a Champions League match and you see sporting and you're like, I've been there. Yeah. That place you got really a little nice. like, you know, you're not going to be like a lifelong Betis fan like me, but there's like an element of like, you feel warmly towards them. I, yeah. uh, I really got a kick out of, uh, a kickoff. They had a club anthem, um, which I guess a lot of teams in Portugal and Spain, and I wouldn't know about Italy, but certainly in those two countries, they have their own anthems. They sing a kickoff and, uh, I don't, uh, know exactly what the song is but i will tell you that it was set to my way um the frank sinatra song which i have never heard at a football ground before and looking around and seeing like you know it's a little more of a diverse crowd than you get in england in terms of like there's a lot of women and families and you know there's a there's a lot of age ranges going like there was a family of like there was like four generations of a family sitting in front of us it was really cool and just sort of looking around and seeing like you know guys and their girlfriends you know little kids old men all singing this song which they like as soon as the ball kicks off they cut the speakers and everyone starts doing it an acapella or it just turns into an acapella song no you know they're not singing along to anything other than themselves I, it was really very cool and the fact that you know i mean i've seen that happen at other grounds but it was just i've never heard i mean the fact that i could sort of pick out the melody and I've never heard that at a football game before it was really impressive and it was really it was a really cool experience that you know um, I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about Lisbon or sporting Lisbon. Um, but, you know, you instantly felt like you were sort of in the middle of something that was kind of special, even though it wasn't a full crowd, even though it wasn't a particularly good opponent, um, even though sporting aren't having a great year. It was a really it was a really neat experience, and um, I'm glad we got to go. And I'm glad Absolutely. we had, like, some Tottenham things to sort of, like, hang our hat on while we were there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we're probably the source of all of the Marcus Edward rumors because we were we were we were very loud about being Tottenham fans. Yeah, uh, and so you know, some people in the stands probably spoke to the Portuguese papers about how Tottenham were scouting Marcus Edwards. We're, a bit there were there were at least. I mean, you and I are very large, obnoxious Americans. So, yeah, I mean, know. yeah, we're we're definitely bigger than anybody else that was in that stadium. And except Wendy, maybe Wendy was wearing a vir- very Quates. Wendy was wearing very stylish clothing while we were there. So we, he was, he was know, very dapper. It probably made its way around uh, around the Lisbon media that we were there to see Marcus Edwards. But right, yeah, no, I I um I I think look if if any of our listeners are planning on going to Lisbon, which they totally should, it was a fun city. Things were relatively inexpensive, and um, it was just a lot of fun. You should definitely take the time and go out and see a sporting match. Do, do you have any uh, ginger spots that they should look for? Uh, no, no. Look, we tried the ginger. First of all, you're saying it wrong. I think you're I saying think it it's wrong. Ginger. I, I think it's ginger. Uh, that can't be correct, but even if it is. According, um, to, if, according to the translation, I just looked up to be sure. Wow, you pre-prepared that. You know thing. what? For once, the one time I did it, it, it was right now. <laughs> I'm going to honor my cherry port, whatever the <laughs> fuck that liquor is. No, that was 
It's I, repulsive. Uh, it's repulsive. I, but you should do it. I wouldn't recommend that. I would not recommend But have all of the custard tarts you can get your hands on, honestly, though. You know, you know what the really great thing about I mean, there's a lot of great things about that city, but, like, that beer was so cheap everywhere <laughs> we went. And it, and it was totally fine. It wasn't like, I mean, it's no, just it was, standard it was the shitty local. It was, it was the shitty local. It was perfectly it was, acceptable. And it, it was, was all cold like, and it was cheap, and that was great. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah. Go go Lisbon. Go to yep. Lisbon. It's awesome. Yep. Go to Portugal. Go to Lisbon. Don't go to Madeira. You know, whatever. <laughs> Definitely don't go there. Um, Brian, uh, I think that's it for us tonight. Um, talking about our uh, trip to Lisbon and, uh, unfortunately, two Spurs matches. We're going to, um, for our listeners, we're probably going to do a wrap-up show. Or, I mean, we're going to do a show next week. Um, we'll probably wrap up where the season's been so far and commiserate about how Leeds goes um and then i think we're gonna take a look we'll probably podcast irregularly if at all during the world cup um but we'll definitely you mean this go is ahead. gonna turn into a u.s men's national team podcast no jesus we're not gonna do that to but we i'm have enough, super we have enough trouble prepared to discuss christian pulisic i am not. and his attempts to get jd vance elected to the congress jesus christ um no, we will probably podcast irregularly if we podcast at all during the World Cup, um, but we'll be back when the season starts up at the end of December. Um, excuse me. Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, listen for that. Uh, hopefully Ben will be back with us next week. Brian, where can people find you online with your ginger takes? Uh, you can still find me on Twitter, I guess. For um, now. At Brian underscore Ashlock, and... Um, if I ever figure out how the fuck Mastodon works, maybe I'll start tooting over there, I guess. I hate. That sign-up is so annoying. <laughs> it's like the dumbest thing that was... I don't know. It's. I, I looked at it yesterday because you and I were in a Twitter thread about it. And I'm like, maybe I'll figure this out. And then I just... I spent two minutes looking at it. I'm like, no, this is too much for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, so I, I guess in a few weeks we'll be telling you which... Uh, Pornhub video you can leave comments about our podcast and you know it's going to be a different podcast I think at that point well you know maybe Spurs will start playing well and that's why we're doing it um yeah so we'll figure out some social media form in the meantime you can find me at skipjack0079 um on Twitter uh with my hot uh Portugal liquor takes and uh our Portuguese liquor takes and don't forget to follow us again at our uh podcast Twitter feed at WDR podcast uh, please leave us a review. Uh, and that's it for this week. For Brian and for uh, Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Um, obrigado.